MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, April 8th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll hear from the group suing Mississippi over the state's new license plate. Uh, In this country, about a quarter of Americans are now non-religious. So this isn't a small number of folks. We want it changed so that there's not government bias in how we ask people to talk about their religious beliefs or not. Government really shouldn't be in the religion business. Then the state health officer weighs in on the increasing vaping trend among young people. And after Everyday Tech, we'll revisit a project spearheaded by a woman honored at this year's Give Awards. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A national organization that includes atheists and agnostics is speaking out against Mississippi's new standard license plate design. The new plates feature the official state seal, which contains the phrase, In God We Trust. The American Humanist Association is demanding the state either set a new standard license plate design without a religious phase, phrase or allow people to get another license plate design without paying an extra fee. Roy Speckert is executive director of the American Humanist Association. He shares his concerns with us. The American Humanist Association... Um recognizes that this is the national motto in God We Trust, but we don't approve of it. We think it was a mistake to make a statement about belief in God as part of our national motto. And we understand that the courts have upheld um, the use of it in certain public spheres, but the concern that we have, especially here, is that um, not only is it being uh, put on you know, government-issued license plates, but it's done in such a way that folks are asked to display this as if it's their belief, which is um, not only unfair to those who believe differently, but um, is almost encouraging them to be dishonest about their beliefs, which I would think would be a mistake. And then it goes further in that if you don't want to display that, you actually have to pay extra money uh, to avoid it. And that's, that's actually unconstitutional. I understand that you sent a letter to the state's revenue commissioner commissioner and attorney general. Is that correct? That is correct. And what are you asking them to do exactly regarding the license plate? Basically, we want them to either uh, set up a situation where uh, there's another license plate that doesn't say in God we trust on it or that has a a clearly non-religious message um, that is free alternative, or at least the same cost as you'd pay for a standard license plate that has the In God We Trust on it. That would resolve the issue right there. Alternatively, of course, they could go with a standard plate that's not In God We Trust. What does the association plan on doing if the change is not made? We are very seriously considering bringing lawsuit if, um, if the state doesn't comply, or at least address these concerns in a, in a way that we find acceptable. So that is remains to see how they'll respond, but um, assuming that they don't respond appropriately and assuming that the truth of the claims are continue to be the case, then we will consider to bring the lawsuit. I understand that Mississippi offers several specialty license plate designs for $30 extra per year. Would you 
accept that as a possibility, as an option, <laughs> if they don't decide well, to change the license plates, just getting a specialty plate, if that's possible? No, that's the very problem. So if you're somebody who doesn't happen to believe in God and you don't want to display on your car that you believe in God, quite understandably, you shouldn't have to pay extra in order to do that. That's unfair to those that whole significant percentage of folks who believe that way. Uh, in this country, about a quarter of Americans are now non-religious. So this isn't a small number of folks. We want it changed so that there's not government bias in how we ask people to uh, talk about their religious beliefs or not. Government really shouldn't be in the religion business. And so when it puts in God we trust on anything, it does get into the religion business a bit. Now, the courts have allowed that in a lot of cases, but in this particular case, the idea that people are asked to display it um, and to display it or pay more money, that's wrong. Say someone comes to you and says, well, I don't think that that's fair that the association wants us to create a license plate without it. What do you have to say to that to people who might have pushback on that? We raised the issue with the state even before the license plates were implemented. So it's not like we're coming to it late in the game. We recognized this was an issue, brought it to their attention. They chose to ignore us and implement the program in January. Now we're saying um, that they need to resolve this issue or face potential litigation. Is there anything I have not asked? asked you about this issue that you would like to add? In general, government should be fair to everybody, regardless of what they believe or don't believe. So that means that um, we would expect government policies to be neutral when it comes to religion, not to be pushing one religious view over another. And God belief is a religious view. MPB's Jasmine Ellis speaking with Royce Beckhart. In a statement, the state revenue commissioner said simply that he had received the letter. Coming up, the state health officer weighs in on the increasing vaping trend among young people. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Palette to Palette is back with Chef Robert St. John and artist Wyatt Waters. Join us this week on Palette to Palette where we have breakfast with Martha Foose. And I get to go paint in Greenwood on Cotton Row. We visit the Grammy Museum and we have an awesome lunch at McCarty Pottery and Marigold in the heart of the Mississippi Delta. And then to Oxford later that evening to paint a sunset of the square. That's Palette to Palette. Thursday at 7.30 on MPB Television. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Health officials in Mississippi are sounding the alarm about the increased use of e-cigarettes among teenagers. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says more than one in four high school students used tobacco in 2018. That marks a considerable increase over the previous year. He talks about the growing trend and the potential danger. It should be considered a tobacco product. I mean, it's basically an alternative mechanism of giving a dangerous addictive substance. It certainly has nicotine in it, so it would be oh, a nicotine yes, product. Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. It was uh, an e-cigarette or a vaping device of some kind were created to help adult smokers quit smoking? As an alternative, I think. Um, but, you know, the way that they've made a lot of these things, especially the Juul, it's made in a way that's specifically appealing to teens. They have flavored products. And if you ask teens, you know, why they used it, a lot is it because they had, you know, raspberry or some wonderful fruit flavor that's very 
tempting. So even though it, it actually can be useful for people who smoke combustible cigarettes, combustible tobacco, to transition to something that's less harmful, what's happened is now over 3 million teens smoke e-cigarettes. There's been a 78% increase from 17 to 18. It's, a, it's an explosion of e-cigarettes in our teens. First off, it's, it's a harmful addiction that we're putting them into with nicotine that can affect their brains. We don't really know what the long-term consequences might be. We don't really know what the long-term consequences of them inhaling these chemical substances is going to be. And it's also a potential risk factor for then progressing on to what we know is more dangerous combustible tobacco. Vaping devices are not regulated? They can be regulated, but certainly that's been something the FDA has struggled with. They've made some really good recommendations, but have not really come down hard on the the vaping, the e-cigarette manufacturers. But someone who smokes an e-cigarette could be taking in all kinds of things that aren't recognized, like toxins or... Yes. So it, it's quite possible. We don't really know. I mean, there are there are chemical things that are supposed to dissolve the nicotine, right? So it's not just pure nicotine. It has other sort of chemical components. And then, you know, it's either going to be uh, aerosolized or it's going to be, you know, heated in such a way that it's going to be kind of burned. And we don't really know if you're burning these chemicals and then inhaling them for long periods of time, what sort of long-term harm you're going to be causing. And you are inhaling into your lungs. It isn't like smoking a cigar. where you... Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's getting down in your lungs and, and we just don't know what the long-term consequences are going to be. So what's the solution? I mean, it is an explosion, mm-hmm. as you said. So how do you teach kids this is not a good thing for you to be doing? Yeah, you know, there's a couple things that need to happen. First off, we need to enforce restriction of this from kids. I mean, kids do not need to have access to this. This is a dangerous product. The second thing is, is it's really unconscionable that we have these sweet flavored things that are appealing to kids. They should not be allowed. Um, Kind of like with cigarettes, we know that menthol, if menthol were not in cigarettes, then a lot fewer people would smoke. So basically, these are inducements for people to take on a dangerous behavior. And then, you know, more, more significant enforcement from the FDA would certainly be extremely helpful. But us being aware of the dangers and, and then, you know, for teachers and for parents to understand that if your child or teen is putting a USB flash drive up to their mouth, it's not a computer product. It's actually uh, an e-cigarette that's been camouflaged as a flash drive. Who's profiting from this? We know about d- big tobacco, but yeah. this is not tobacco company products, are they? Well, big tobacco companies are starting to buy e-cigarette manufacturers. And and some of the biggest ones, and I can't remember which one, bought a large share in Juul, knowing that this is the next big thing. And we know how much we can trust those guys. Can any age buy e-cigarettes? E-cigarettes are are not supposed to be purchased by teens. Um, it, it's going to be similar to tobacco products, but they're widely available, unfortunately. And people, I understand, or kids are smoking them because they're disguised as something. They're smoking them in school, even. Yeah, and and it's it has like you know sweet appealing flavors. You know, it's like you know having a soda pop or something like that. But then it has a nicotine thing, and then you get that addiction. And you're going to do it over and over again. And certainly it's always hard to discount the, you know, the rebelliousness or the cool factor that teens often go through. But then we're setting them up for a life, a lifetime of addiction for this one brief period of their lives. Has the smoking rate gone down among teenagers now that they're using these? Well, we certainly haven't seen an appreciable decrease. I mean, we, we've seen a steady decrease in teen smoking and adult smoking in, in the country, thank goodness. We're not as low in Mississippi. We still have a pretty high tobacco use rate. So... 
as a society, we've been trailing off. And this seems to be an innovative way for tobacco companies to kind of reintroduce nicotine into a whole new generation. Are adults still using e-cigarettes in a large number? You know, there are an increasing number of adults transitioning from combustible tobacco to e-cigarettes. And there are some studies that show actually that there is some benefit for adults to transition. And, and, and almost certainly, or, or clearly, it's less harmful for e-cigarettes than smoking com- combustible tobacco. But then, you know, this is really something that's useful in some circumstances as a transition to a less harmful thing. It's also, it's, it's best to quit nicotine addiction altogether if you can, but we know that's very difficult. It's this flip side of teens taking it on, this new addiction that's really most worrisome from a public health perspective. What do you most want to say to parents? Keep an eye on your kids. Make sure they understand the dangers of e-cigarettes. I mean, you're setting them up for a lifetime of addiction. We don't know what the long-term consequences are. And it's harmful. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the health officer for the state of Mississippi. Thank you, Dr. Dobbs. Thank you for having me. Coming up, we'll revisit a project spearheaded by a woman honored at this year's Give Awards. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilt Couture, and today we're discussing technology for your backyard. So, Wilts, technology has moved from the office to the living room right into our backyard. Well, it can. With so many more people taking advantage of getting outdoors and kind of getting away from those barriers, we're seeing people move in and enjoy these outdoor spaces even more. And with technology, it can bring our entertainment systems outside. It can change how we're cooking on the grill. It can help us to make sure we get that steak or that burger or that chicken just right. And even for that matter, it can even really contribute to our safety and security when we're outside and just the overall pleasantness of being outside and enjoying what nature has to offer. Now, when you talk about entertainment, how has technology changed the way we entertain outside? Well, we're starting to see so many more people do things such as moving TVs outside, maybe to a back porch in order to enjoy the game or to keep up with the show while you're outside. Even to the point of outdoor movie screens and projectors that are enabling you and your family or neighborhood full of kids to come over and enjoy the latest blockbuster outdoors and in that outdoor environment. And with wireless technology, both for video and for audio, you can actually extend that beyond what we used to think, where you had to have a cable that ran to it, and you can just get so much farther away and really take advantage of the different spaces that you have, and and the options are virtually limitless. No, to another, not a whole whole other. So technology has allowed us to take our lighting to a whole other level. Well, it really has. And, you know, sometimes that's an area that's really overlooked, but there really has been a lot of advances in technology with this. Even some of your more commonplace, which, you know, your motion detecting lights and and even your light sensing lights, uh, just providing that safety and security that most of us would want around our, our homes. But even now you're having more of what they're calling smart lights. And what they're doing is they're adjusting to make sure that it's keeping up with your energy levels, your energy consumption. And, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be just super bright, but just in general lighting. I think some people would refer to it as mood lighting, just to make sure that your event is lit up in a way that gives you a really nice ambiance. And of course, for those grill masters out there, technology has gone above and beyond when it comes to grilling. 
Oh, it really has. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've always struggled with is making sure if I'm cooking something for my family, do I get it to the right temperature? One of the coolest things I stumbled across was actually Bluetooth temperature sensors that I can actually go out to my grill and it will tell me on my phone when I'm getting the meat to the right temperature. Because the one thing you don't want is necessarily undercooked or overcooked. You know, you want it just right for what your needs are. So even just as simple as that, but now we're seeing also that even grills are taking advantage of technology to where you're having much more efficient cooking. And it, and it seems like a lot of this has really moved around making it a more efficient process so you can spend more time enjoying your family and friends and not nearly as much time trying to worry about if you're getting that burger just right. So, Michelle, as we see technology continuing to evolve and move into so many different aspects of our life, I think it was just natural to see this actually move into our backyard entertainment as well. Really, technology has changed how we are utilizing our outdoor spaces. And what is happening is we're seeing these changes really transform what the outdoor family and friend gathering looks like. But what that's really contributing to is we're really increasing the fun. There's so much more that we can bring in with everyone, whether it's just for you and your family or whether you're having a large gathering of people coming over. We're seeing the technology and outdoor entertainment really move us forward and giving us a much more safe, a much more secure, but also really a much more fun time outside to where we really can enjoy some special times and stay connected with those that we love. So when we're talking about technology and outdoor entertainment, what we're really talking about is the evolution of the outdoor entertainment space. And we're really seeing that move from being a basic experience to being a much more engaged, entertaining, and just quite frankly, fun place to be. We will talk more about technology for your backyard on the next Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilt Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This has been Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Honorees are coming to the capital city from across the state today for the annual Give Awards. The awards are given to individuals and agencies from different areas of volunteer service in Mississippi. This year's lifetime achievement in volunteering is being awarded to Mary Kitchens. She's founder and executive director of Mississippi's Toughest Kids, a group that works with pediatric cancer patients. When our Desiree Frazier caught up with Kitchens earlier this year, she was talking about their newest project, Camp Kamasa, which is being built with the assistance of the United States Army. You mentioned that you have a son who was diagnosed with cancer at an early age, and that impacted your desire to do this. Absolutely, because I know when he was old enough to go to camp, how much it meant to him, how excited he was, how since the age of 10, and he's 45 now, he goes back every year to camp. 
You know, that's how much it meant to him and how much he wants it to mean to others. But I know that our camp had to move six different times to different locations for different reasons. Other camps, because we've talked to them, the burn camp has moved five times. Muscular dystrophy, sickle cell has moved six times. All of them have not had a one place they could go to throughout their whole existence. So we wanted to create that one place that they could all be, a, you know, call home. Why will this be different? Because everything about the construction is handicapped accessible. There are no steps anywhere. We are trying not to have even ramps because we want every child to travel the same path and not have to go over here if you're in a wheelchair or not. But the bathrooms, the buildings, the walkways, even getting on the horse and the canoes, everything is going to be possible for every child at camp. Can you describe this camp for us? What we'll have is like a week of just children with oncology, uh, with cancer, a week of children with sickle cell, a week of ch- for children with muscular dystrophy. And while they're there, their doctors that treat them at usually Children's Hospital will also be there. We're going to say, like to Camp Rainbow that I've talked about the most, bring your group that you've already got formed. You already have volunteer counselors. You already have doctors and nurses that go to camp every year. Just pick up from where you're going now and come to our facility that's going to better meet your needs and it will be a place you will go from now on. It sounds expensive. (laughs) It's very expensive to build. It will be to run. The children will never pay to come. The foundations behind most of our camps are already paying a church campground or state park for the use of their facility for one week. They lease it. So they will continue to pay. The foundation behind the group, Single Cell Foundation, will pay while their children are at our camp, just like they've been paying all along. But we'll always have to have fundraisers. We will always need the donations of generous people. This is a three-year project. Why does it take so long? The military last year, they're doing all the, just about all the construction, started in April and then left in August. Of course, you have to think about Mississippi weather, too. It's unpredictable. Then this year, they're going to be working from April through August, and then they'll leave it. We'll hire private contractors to come on and build. But you've got so many components to that camp. We'll have 14 cabins, a lunchroom, infirmary, which is like a little mini hospital, a big multi-purpose building with a lot of activities in it, then the horses and the lake and the swimming pool. There is a lot to build, and part of it is we build as we can pay for what we're building. We have borrowed some money, but we're trying to avoid that as much as possible. But there's still millions that we are having to pay for the supplies that that they're using. And then we also hired private contractors to work with the military just to make sure we were all on the same page. There's one thing that we're doing that I think many people could help us with. We want to have a library at camp, which most camps don't have, but we want a very large, nice library because some children can't stay outside in the sun as much as other kids. And we want to be known as the camp when a child leaves camp, he can have a book to take home with him. And so we need lots of gently used books. We've collected about 2,000 so far, but we'll go through those 2,000 fairly fast. So if any group would be interested in just looking through their shelves and coming up with some books, you know, that would be great. And we'd be glad to meet them somewhere and get the books. So they're welcome to come to our office. And, and Where is your office? It's in Crystal Springs.
And the phone number? 601-892-1117. And our website is mtkfound, F-O-U-N-D, found.com. Mary Kitchens with our Desiree Frazier. The Give Awards will be presented today at a luncheon at the Westin Hotel in downtown Jackson. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's At Issue on Think Radio. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB public media app from the Apple or Google Play stores, or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown, inviting you to join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.